hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Deuteronomy chapter, this wasn't even in my notes, but Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1, in the King James or New King James. I'm going to read 20, 21, 22 verses real quick, and I'm going to expound just a minute on kind of where we are. Okay? I'm excited about this because I feel like what happened today is just a precursor of really where what God is doing and what to do in your life. You've been summoned off the, the back row and into life. Now watch this. Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. Can you move that back just a little bit? Okay. And you know ye, and know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm. And his miracles and his acts. Can we move that back over again? which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt and to their horses and to their chariots, now he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow, overflow them as they pursued after you and how the Lord had destroyed them unto this day. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place, And what he did unto Dathan and Abiram and the sons of Eliab and the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all of Israel. Now here we go. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it. And that you may prolong your days, look at this, prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give into them and to their seed, kids too, and grandkids, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land, whether thou goest in to possess it, look at this, it's not as the land of Egypt. It's not anything you have a frame of reference of from whence you come out. Look at this. You only have a frame of reference of what you've come out. You have no frame of reference of what I'm taking you into. Where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as the garden of herbs. But the land, whether you go to possess it, is the land of hills and valleys. It's up and it's gonna be down. You see that? It's not all smooth sailing. It's gonna be tough sometimes. And the, and you, but look, and you drink the water of the reign of heaven. It's not sustenance like it is here on the earth. Verse 12, a land which the Lord thy God care for, a place that wasn't prepared by man, a place that was prepared by the Lord. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently to my commandments which I commend you this day, to love, look at this, to love the Lord your God, 
and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for your cattle, that they may eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart not be deceived. What's this? And you are turned not aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven that there is no rain and that the land yield not our fruit unless you perish quickly from the good of the land. So the only thing that's gonna be a prerequisite here is listen, you gotta know I'm doing this guys, the Lord says. I'm building a land that doesn't come from here. I'm gonna supply the rain that doesn't come from here. But don't be deceived. Don't go chasing after other things. That's the only thing that will shut up the heaven. Perish quickly from the good land which the Lord giveth you. What's this, 18. Therefore, you shall lay up these my words in your heart. Put them in your heart and your heart soul. Bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be the frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them which when we all sitteth in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you're laying down, getting ready for bed, when you wake up in the morning, tell your kids, and thou shalt write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates, let everybody know that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, look at this, as the days of heaven upon the earth. A promise from the Lord that says, I have prepared in this life a life place, a place in life, a state of life for you, my children, that you cannot compare, you cannot do, you can't complete, you can't make happen. I did it. I've set it up for you. I've got it all ready for you. I've got it so ready for you that it can't cause any, nothing you do can cause it to grow, but I can supply rain from heaven that will supernaturally cause things to happen in your life that you can't make happen if you wanted to. You're not smart enough, strong enough, sweet enough, good enough, faithful enough, know enough people, I can do it. I've got a place that's imagined up in heaven that I want you to experience right here in this earth as the days of heaven upon your earth, in your life. I want it to be so fruitful, he said, that I want you to have to tell your children about it and your children will know that the place that I'm having for them is not just for you, it's for them and their children and their children's children. This thing is hereditary. It goes back to your posterity and the things that were struggled by previous generations shouldn't be always struggling in the present generation. And the present generation shouldn't have to always hand off something to, to pass on to the next generation that they have to always struggle with. Why? Because I prepared something for your generation, your people, your place, your life setting. I had you in mind when I brought you here in the 2020s or 2018s and 2050s or 2040s, whatever your birth, I had it prepared for you. The only thing that causes it to shut up is when you get deceived. When you get deceived going after other things and you forget who's prepared it for you. You get your eyes on earth 
and you miss what I prepared for you in heaven. You start toiling with things that you see here as if this is the end all and I've got this rain up here ready to pour out upon you. Now we call that deception and we be not to be deceived. We're concerned if we say deception that we'll say that somebody gets out in sin. Yeah, they could. Or somebody comes, starts chasing things of the world. We use literal things, obvious things, as the deception. But there's something greater than any deception of the flesh. The consequences are harder. The pain is, is just as bad. But the deception that he's talking about that's going over after other things, I'm going to tell you, is the deception of religion. Not religion in a sense that's bad. I'm talking about religion where you're trying to follow rules, follow thoughts that create systems in your life as if it's gonna produce the greatest impact. If you rely more on your do's and your don'ts than the heart of who you are and who he is, you're deceived. I say it like this. Religion creates a system, but God's kingdom creates a culture. Religion is human effort, trying to get to God or please him. Your religion can fit in your culture, but your culture can't fit in your religion. They look the same. So number one, you have to believe that there is a heaven and there is a hell. Yes. And I know there's a doctrine and a teaching out there that believes that there's not a hell. I hear it. But you've got to believe that there is. And if you don't believe that there's a hell, after church, let me drive you down to the west end of Huntington and let me show it to you. And if you're really transparent, you'll let me ride home and you show it to me. Because we got some stuff, guys. Am I telling the truth? Right? There's a hell. And there's, there's a permanent place and there's a temporary place here and there's a permanent place there. But you got to know that heaven is real. There is a place beyond here that we will go to after this life is over and spend eternity with heaven and with, with Jesus. There is. But don't, don't confuse that that being all there is to it. When God looks at us in Deuteronomy and he says, I desire for there to be a time in your life that you experience all of my vision that I have for you up here in heaven as it is the days of heaven upon your earth.
if you only knew that, the, that, that Satan himself, the devil, that gets too much credit in the church, if you only knew he is a tool that God will allow to, to use to bring you into those purposes that he has for you, then you would see him as a tool to bring you into the purposes that God has for you. God already knows it. Jesus used Satan to crucify him. To get the win. Never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. So Jesus, all the way to the cross, kept his mouth shut knowing that you don't have a clue what you're doing. What you think you're doing is one thing, but what you're really doing is something else. And when you begin to see inverted in life, you recognize that a disappointment is really an opportunity. It doesn't mean you're not disappointed. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean you might want to cuss 15 seconds into a conversation talking to your pastor. Right? It doesn't mean that you don't want to throw some things or get upset or get frustrated or the pain is, it's real. And we're not going to get into the world anymore and, and be relating to people where we discount people's pain. The pain is real. It hurts. It, it does. It, 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 it's it, it's heart-wrenching. And guys, I feel it sometimes when I'm talking to people. Some of the stuff I've had to experience even, you're going, oh my God, can it get any worse? And you don't want to ask that question because obviously it can. So you go through all this turmoil and trouble and trials and you're going, oh my God. And then there's always this, this religious group of people that always want to come in to do your rescue. And they want to tell you all these scriptures and all these questions. And the last thing you want to do is quote a scripture when you're feeling deep hurt inside of your life. They mean well, and, and you already know what they mean, right? You know. And they don't, they're, not, they're not, not wrong by what they're doing. They're not, it's, not, it's not bad. It's not, it's, it's not. So, so you have to learn as a, as a maturing group of body of believers, we learn to experience life challenges differently. When the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, and you think, there's no way I'm going to ever get back from underneath this thing. I don't know how to get here. You've got to recognize, if Jesus is the example on the cross, that the enemy could not have taken him out unless it was going to work for his victory. You have an example that shows you that even if it looks like he's taking you out, it has to take you into the victory. Even when it doesn't look like the victory at the moment, but don't get so worried about how you feel. Don't get worried about if you're a man, man, there's times you just gotta get angry and sin not. It's in there for a reason. You know what I'm talking about? So, so we wrestle and we manage this tension of life of being a Christian, trying to do what's right, but experiencing life that just opposes the lifestyle. And then when you experience things like kids or teenagers especially or, or, or disappointment in husband and wives or, or, or jobs or financial issues, whatever it might be, or health issues, whatever it might be, you're going, God, this does not line up to what my Christian values say. And we've been taught over the last several decades to resort into a system of do's and don'ts to get your reward. 
And I'm here to tell you, your head is going to be spinning in the right direction. It won't be the exorcist. It'll be God. When you hear what I'm about to tell you over the next several weeks, it's going to change your life. It's changing mine. It's reminding me of that heaven on earth. It doesn't discount where I'm going one day, but I'm certainly not gonna discount where I am today. I'll leave you with this. I'm not gonna get very deep today because Matt's already playing. <laughs> That's my cue. That's my cue. If we really hear the Lord, we'll just keep it going. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> what if I brought Adam up here, Adam in the Bible, and I said to Adam, Adam, give a testimony of how it was in the garden. Just talk, don't, just do Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. Don't, don't go beyond that. And Adam comes up and he begins to tell, you won't believe it. He had already prepared five days. And in the sixth day, he makes man. He had everything in order. Everything already moving. Everything. It was, you wouldn't believe it. You, I mean, I, got a, I didn't have to create anything. He created it all. In fact, when I got on the scene, he had already rested. Everything that was created was created. He sat down and rested. And he came to me and he said, all these animals and stuff, are you, whatever you want to call them, Adam, you call them. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to subdue the earth. I need you to have dominion and I need you to rule. Adam, you're my son. This is Adam talking. You're my son, Adam. I'm in heaven in this spiritual realm of influence. This is my domain. But I created all this universe down here for you. This planet's for you. So Adam, you do it all. You, you do it all. Adam says, man, this is crazy. All this is mine. I'm just connected to the, the heaven, right? The, 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 that, that, that realm to this realm, and I'm connected. Yeah, you're in. You're Adam begins to start telling about chapter three when Eve comes along. And I go, hey, no, Adam, I don't want to hear about Eve yet. We won't talk about Eve. Tell me about Jesus, Adam. Adam says, oh, you mean fast forward all the way to that? Yeah, I want to hear that part because you're the first Adam. Tell me about the last one. And he said, okay. Well, what about all the stuff? I don't want to hear about all that. I want to hear about when Jesus died and rose from the grave, ascended to heaven. The spirit came here. What, 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 yeah, everything. See, I started it right here. And then in chapter three, I don't want to hear about chapter three, Adam. Well, Genesis chapter two, all the way to Acts chapter one. Yeah, yeah. So you had authority there. Jesus has all the authority now. Yeah. Yeah. So, Adam, what about those people that lived from chapter three of Genesis all the way up to John the Baptist? He goes, man, you wouldn't want to be them because I messed it up. 
I messed it up. It was awful. It was horrible. But you don't have to worry about that because you live after the last Adam. Yeah, but, but, yeah. But Genesis chapter three, Adam, you, you screwed it up, man. You really royally did it. I know. Yeah. He's, and here's what Adam would tell us. I don't know why the church spends all their time talking about what I did wrong. Because for everything I did wrong, Jesus got it right. I don't know why, the, I don't know why y'all camp in here. Y'all camp in here. Well, Adam, we want to know because we experienced hurts and pains too. You, you created a mess, Adam. You called a, caused a fall for everybody. I know I did. But how would you like to have been in my shoes when there wasn't any way of escape? You guys got not only before the problem, you get a read about during the problem, and you get the antidote for the problem to live beyond those worlds. But you all choose to stop at Jesus. You know what Adam would tell us? I wish they would quit worshiping me in chapter three more than they worship Jesus in Acts chapter one. They believe more in my fall than, than him and his resurrection. How do I know that, Adam? How do I know? Look how they live. Look what they talk about. They live with the, the cloud of sin right here. I didn't live with that in chapter one and chapter two. And they're not living in it in chapter, Acts chapter one and chapter two and chapter three. They're not living with the cloud of it because it was already taken care of. Adam would say this, church. And next week, Adam's gonna preach the message. You better come back. I'm telling you, he's gonna be good. He would say, they don't understand, Adam said, my father, your father, is a king. And the king has a kingdom. And the kingdom has a culture. But when I messed up, there was no way for the king to get his culture in the earth. So mankind had to put all kinds of rules to try to climb to get to the king. And they realized they couldn't get to him, but every time they try, it would be harder. So they relied on all this human flesh to get there. Adam said, if they only knew that I'm dead, they would recognize that Jesus is alive. And Adam would tell you this, and I'm gonna tell you this. It's time we as the church Live life after his death. Would you stand with me? In the Lord good? He really is. 
oh gosh, we're gonna get thrust into revelation like we've never had before. Your eyes are gonna be so wide open, you're gonna go, oh my God. See, we can't preach a message that Paul's and them, we're, we're ambassadors of Christ and not even know what an ambassador is. If you're an ambassador for Christ, Christ dwells in the heavenly realm. And if you're an ambassador for him, that means you represent him to a land. You're a, you're a special foreign agent. You don't even realize it. You're an ambassador. What's that mean? I just win souls for Jesus. Is that it? Ain't no ambassador in any country we have over there trying to convert people to become Americans. Especially in Mexico. Nobody's down there going, hey, listen, you better get over there now before the wall goes up. No. No. Those ambassadors are down there representing the government of the United States and the interests of the United States. You're an ambassador of heaven in the earth, in your family, in your world, in your job, in your life surrounding. It's time we understand who that is. But if you go in there and try to give them a bunch of rules to live by, I need you all, ever, I'm an ambassador of America, so we're the best. You all need to start living life like we do. That's religion. I'm a Christian, so you need to start to, you better quit that dip, that dipping's going, I'm telling you, that dip, you be, I see it in there. You can swallow it if you want to or hide it from me, but it's in there somewhere. And we start getting onto all that kind of garbage with people and, we just, and they start hiding it from us. I'll tell you when you're a real ambassador. I'll tell you when you're really walking in the kingdom. When your friends and family can be raw around you, feel a little convicted, but they're talking about God around you and wanting to know. That's how you know. I used to think when I'd be around my buddies and they would all hide their cigarettes or their beer and all their, and I'd say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a witness for Christ. Then I realized, none of them ever quit. And they quit drinking and smoking because of me. They just hid it from me. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, come on. We got to turn this world upside down. If, if, if the West End of Huntington, West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, this tri-state is ever going to change, it's going to start with us in here first. We're going to have to have our eyes eye open to the reality of the true revelation of the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. What does it mean? Who is he? Why are we even here? No more aimlessly walking through life. I'm going to give you a real picture. And this is going to be scary. I saw this yesterday in my spirit when I was driving through Huntington and I, I got scared. It startled me. I saw all these people walking everywhere, just on drugs, aimless, no direction, all everywhere. And it dawned on me. We got the same thing happening in the church sometimes. We're just acting like we know where we're going. We're hoping we know where we're going. But we're still almost as blind as they are. The only difference is we're chasing after him in fog. They're chasing after whatever in fog. Let's remove the fog. Let's remove the veil. Let's unveil him and then to live life after the death. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I'm asking you to reveal to your body a revelation and an unveiling of the true kingdom of God. Who we are, who you are, how this all works. God, we're not, we're not, we're not signing up for another round of good church. We want a relationship with you and to experience the culture of your heaven 
right here so our kids and grandkids and grandkids and grandkids down to several generations can experience the true fruit of what your heart is and desire. And that's give us the land, a reference we know not of, that only rain could come from you that causes our life to grow and be fruitful for what you're doing in our life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you Wednesday night in the book of Revelation.